You are listening to the Coming Up for Air podcast hosted by Air Moms Lori McDougall and Annie Highwater. This podcast is sponsored by alliesinrecovery.net. Coming Up for Air brings together two wonderful people, both of whose adult sons are in recovery from opiate addiction. Annie Highwater and Lori McDougall have been through years of their loved one's active addiction. They have come to understand the direct link between taking care of yourself and being able to help your loved one. During these conversations, Lori and Annie address the questions and concerns brought up by Allies in Recovery members. And now, coming up for air with Lori McDougall and Annie Highwater. Hi, Annie. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good, and we're back at uh, Coming Up for Air, and I guess today's topic we're going to talk about is um, anger and wrath. Yeah, I actually heard an interesting podcast called Recovered. I listen to nothing but podcasts anymore, and it was talked about, and it really hit home in a lot of ways, and I learned a lot of things, so I thought that'd be a great subject. I think it's a great topic. Yeah, I think we've probably all dealt with it at some point, maybe even acted out of it at some point. Right, right. Um, it's interesting because you were the one that, who brought this topic up and uh, I started really thinking about, about anger and I realized that um, I don't feel anger that frequently. I, I feel it sometimes and I have felt it with this disease, right? Yeah. But, but I feel with this disease, um, yes, I have felt it, but I have felt anger towards the disease. Like I don't, I don't know why, but I don't often, I'm not going to say never, uh, but I don't often feel anger that way. I feel incredible sadness and I feel incredible frustration um, and that frustration is what gets me like, I, I feel so frustrated because I can't make it go away. Yeah. And I think that that is a good a sign that you're really in tune with yourself because years ago, a therapist told me anger is a secondary emotion. It always follows something. It might follow fear or sadness or shame or pain or something. It, it's always in response to an, a first emotion. So if you're not operating or acting out of a lot of anger, you are typically really aware and in tune with what you're feeling and why. You know, there's some people that'll say, I don't know why I acted like that, or I don't know why I feel down. And sometimes that can be a chemical or physical thing, but sometimes it can really just be that you haven't done a lot of the work to be self-aware and work through things to get to the root of issues. Right, right. And, and I do know what you're talking about. It, um... I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but uh, going through this crisis did help me to become more aware that um, there are a lot of people out there who don't know what they're feeling, that they, that they actually can't identify what they're feeling. Let alone cope with it right. or figure which out how to work it through, which isn't really, it doesn't really take that long to work things through, but avoiding it makes it go deeper and deeper and last longer. Right, and how can how can you how can you face something if you don't even know what it is, yeah. right? And, and and I just I look at my husband and he struggles to identify what he's feeling, and uh, it wasn't until we we started going through this that um, that I realized, oh my gosh, I know what I'm feeling. I know what I'm feeling all the time. And why I, you're feeling it? Right, and I just do. I can tell you at any given moment, I'm really sad. 
I'm really angry. I'm really happy, you know, and, and listening to my husband talk, I realized, oh, wow, he is just now discovering, oh, that's what this is, (laughs) right? I feel mad right now, or, you know. There's a good book called Emotional IQ that talks about a lot of that, and it says you can have a huge intelligent IQ and have a really low emotional IQ, and that's really what matters more. There, somebody can be the president of a multi-million dollar company, but their family's a mess, or they have no idea how their family's feeling or what they're going through and how they're struggling through it, because emotional IQ is very different from intelligence. It's being in tune with yourself and sensing what others are going through. Right, right. So that I actually, I looked up the definitions just because I listened to that podcast and um, I wanted to give them credit for talking about it. So that wasn't, we're not stealing material material. I just wanted to bounce off of it because we're all in this together. Um, Anger is defined as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. And interesting wrath is an, is anger involving violence or violently acting out act. I'm sorry. Wrath involves action. Anger doesn't always involve action. Wrath involves action. And that's typically action that includes vengeance and punishment. Wrath wants to be exhausted and vented out. It wants to have a target. Right. I, um, I also looked it up. And um, a couple of things that really stood out to me was that anger uh, was always described as a normal human experience. Yeah. Expected. Um, right. That you that you should feel anger. Um, wrath. So so in one definition, it, it read that anger. Um, when someone is ang- angry, the person is always aware of what is right and what is wrong. Yes. But when there's wrath. Uh, they lose the uh, the ability to identify what is right and what is wrong, and so it can become destructive and vindictive. What? Well, yeah, I, I had actually written down that wrath involves justifying and blaming because typically when somebody acts out of wrath, someone or something caused it, or that's their kind of their mo for it. You caused it, but this caused it. But of course, I'm you know exploding. This situation's explosive. Right, right. And, and I have the right. I have the right. Um, I have the right to, uh, to yell at you, to say things to you, to maybe throw things, because you caused me to do this. Yes, right. And anger is usually understandable, like you said, um, tied to an activating event. Wrath just tends to build and explode and can explode over small things. Wrath is just kind of a cycle. Right, right. Um, let's see, what else did I... I had a couple of examples. One of them is that when it comes to vengeance and punishment, I was going to give a couple of like life experiences or things I've witnessed. Um, I remember working with somebody who he was newly married and he had an ex-wife that he was raising a daughter with. And I remember she would explode about everything. She would call our office about him And when he got newly married, the little girl loved his new wife and anything the new wife did got microscopically exploded on. And so like along the lines of if the new wife did something wonderful for the little girl, she would show up and say, you're trying to be her mom. You're trying to drive a wedge. If the wife on this, by the same token, 
did something. I mean, I just remember talking to them at work. This is just was a learning experience for me with this, um, this explosive ex-wife, because it showed me that when you are managing your life around somebody who's wrathful, you can't get it right. So if she would do something positive, the ex-wife would pounce on that and it was motivated by something false or it, there was nefarious motive behind it and she was really up to something and she couldn't win. If she did something wrong, it wasn't just human error, it was villainized immediately and pounced on and screamed about. And I mean, and those things come out, this, um, the same woman, I just, I worked with them for about six years and they would just talk about it all the time. It was so exhausting. And the daughter was caught in the middle and she would have a teacher or a dance instructor you know, do something unfair, do something wrong, and she would explode. And you know, when you're when you're exploding to protect a child and get in people's face and tracking down everything that might hurt their feelings or you need to protect for them, that's about you. You know what I mean? Right. That's not about the best interest of your child when you're in a coach's face or you are banging on the door of your ex-husband because his new wife painted your daughter's fingernails to win her over or right. you know, whatever the case may be. If you are exploding, that's about you and that is doing no good. You might have a reason. You have no right to explode on anybody. And I just remember watching this wear them out to be under this microscope that it was like, we don't know when she's going to explode next. And we just want peace for the daughter and for our relationship. And we're living around this. And it was such misery. I remember going home and I would call my ex-husband and say, you're welcome that, <laughs> that you don't have to live like this. And I'm not attacking you guys or, or let alone doing it where my son has to have knowledge about it. Because that's just one of the things I've been on the sidelines for a few times. And I don't think there's anything more selfish or destructive or gross. Right, right. And, and that's, I, I actually looked this up um, as well with wrath. Um, and I started thinking about, okay, well, what about in terms of, um, of SUD, you know, right. substance use disorder. And I started thinking about how um, we can, we, we do things when we become resentful, right? We get resentful and we start using our feelings or using wrath um, as a weapon, right? Because it works. Because, well, it, what does it do though? Does it work? It, it, well, it works on the surface because no one wants to deal with it. Right, so, so the thing is, is that I guess you have to ask yourself, does it really work? And what's, what are you using it for? Right. Well, it's not so really a healthy work because it's intimidating and it's threatening and people are going to try to get away from it as quick as they can. And even right. if, if you are living according to someone's standards or, you know, when it comes to SUD and you're giving in, that wrath is going to return. It, nothing dispels it if you're just kind of navigating and putting up with it. Right. And, and that's it. I started thinking, well, what are all the different things that we do that are kind of wrathful? And I came up with this list of, well, we can use, because um, wrathful doesn't mean that you're necessarily uh, loud and screaming, right? It could be a cutting remark. It could be snide comments. Um, sarcasm. What? Like maybe you're keeping score and you do things that involve yep. punishment and retaliating. Yep. Um, maybe you're humiliating. Um, uh, and and I started thinking it's, it's probably something, if you're doing these things, if you're, if you're using cutting remarks or you're, being, um, uh, you're using sarcasm, it's really intended to hurt. 
and it's probably because you feel resentful. And if we were to film you doing it yeah. or film, you know, or film myself doing it, I probably, and I watched it back, I probably wouldn't be happy with myself. I probably would be like, Ooh, Ooh, why did I do that? You know, um, it just kind of like what you're saying, because really it's a reflection on you. I always said this to my kids, um, to, to remember that, you know how, when you're a kid and, and people are picking on you and, um, and you really don't know how to respond. And kids will often, you know, they'll yell back or they'll say really nasty things yeah. uh, back. And I have always told my kids, now just remember, I know that this is hard, is a real difficult thing to understand. But when the person is bullying you, what they say and what they do is a reflection on them, not a reflection on you. Although it doesn't feel that way, in the moment, right? Yeah. In the moment, it feels like when no one stands up for you, right? When no one stands up for you and or intercepts and, you know, and says, leave them alone or whatever, it can feel like everybody's looking at you and they're all judging you and they all feel the same way the bully does yeah, about you. Well, and bullies tend to like to gather allies. So you feel outnumbered and ganged up on it. You feel like you're in the wrong. Right, right. You can't but, go by what you feel. You have to go by what you know is true. Right. And I always told my kids, it's really hard, right? And I find it difficult, right? Um, But it, but I always told them it's, it's not what the bully is doing is not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on the bully. And I bet you 95% of the kids that are standing around watching this happen are thinking, I'm not going to intervene because that's what will happen to me if that I is do. What you're thinking. But also, you know, have you ever seen a bully that a lot of people liked or thought was a decent right. person and everyone didn't maybe necessarily not only want to be in the pathway of wrath, but right. believed this person was either in the right or somebody they wanted to be friends with and they just get away with devouring people. I've seen right. that so many times. Right. And, and that's exactly what wrath does, right? It isolates you. It actually, it, it can be so non-productive, right? Because it isolates you. It isolates the person that you actually love or care for, right? And, uh, and it solves absolutely nothing. Um, another, another thing that I, that I didn't think of um, that could also be wrath, and that is silence. Silence can be um, a weapon. Yeah. That's, right. It can be used as a weapon. I believe. I do believe that silence. Silence can be very good if it's used effectively. Right. If you can yeah. get quiet um, and not have a judgmental tone. Right. And just kind of oh, uh, let the person know I'm trying to listen to you. But silence can also be the other way. It's kind of like that. Um, it's almost like passive aggressive. I guess. Well, right. when it's motivated to avoid accountability or solving a problem and it's used to hurt, silence is a nasty thing. Right. It, right. Exactly. When it's used uh, to punish. Yeah. yeah right. You're punish. walking around, you're not talking to the person, but you're walking around slamming the cabinets or slamming the doors um, because you're uh, pissed off, you right. know, right? Um, and then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, what do I do? 
what do I do when I am angry? Um, and I came back to, we've talked about this in the past too, but I came back to, if I get angry, usually I give, this is where I give myself my three days. I, 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 I'm like, okay, I'm really upset, but I'm going to give myself three days to respond because at the end, like I've said in the past, okay, if, it, if at the end of three days, I've been thinking about it for three days straight and it's really important to me, at least I've calmed down and I can, I can approach the person more logically and in a calm manner, right? If, um, if at the end of three days I say, what was I so upset about? Then I just leave it alone and I let it go. So I have to take 90 seconds because that's the microwave version for me. And I don't typically have, sometimes situations call for less than three days. I ideally like to put, a, put breath on things for three days if I can, but sometimes urgency or my own impatience um, kind of reduces that down. And I have to at least, you any whatever break works for you, I have to take at least 90 seconds to turn away from something because I know how I am. I will try to force conversation and I don't mean um, necessarily screaming or, but when I'm angry or something needs to be solved, I tend to go into a fatalistic, it needs to be solved now. Mm -hmm. We both need to be heard right now and come to agreement now. And that, that's not reality with people. And I will try to text it out, email it out, talk it out. And then if you've got somebody that's not a good communicator, you've got either their tactics of silence and not being able to handle it, or you're just both a mess. Right. That right. break is necessary, but silence, right. is, um, silence as a weapon in an argument, I think is just as damaging as insulting and yelling. Right. And pushing, um, uh, pushing for a solution. Yeah. Right. I, I do, I do hear you, Annie, because I do agree with you. Not every situation warrants a three day rest, right. Or a three day calming down period sometimes. And, and I have been in those situations where, okay, it can be all of 90 seconds and then I have to give a response to it. Um, and I try really, really hard to gain control out of myself. And, and because I, I'm always thinking, if I just react and blurt it out, it's not going to come out right. Right? I'm, I'm going to be saying something I'm going to regret afterwards. And I don't, don't want to do that. Um, but... Um, I, I have, and in fact, it's funny. In fact, recently I did have a situation like that. I had an interaction with an old, old friend um, and she accused me of something and accused me of lying. And I got really, really hurt by it. And I was, I, at first I was hurt and just kind of walking around and, you know, and thinking about it. And it was less than three days. Um, but typically I would have let it go and then I said, I, I kind of listened to uh, something you have been saying to me, because then I become a doormat sometimes, yeah. right? And I realized, I'm not going to let this go. She accused me of lying, and that really hurt, right? And I'm going to let her know, but I'm going to say the, my feelings. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my feelings, and I'm going to let her know why. But I'm not, I'm going to try really hard not to accuse her and not to say it in a negative way, but give her the opportunity to come back with some kind of a response. 
You know, um, sometimes I think you have a little better chance at doing that because me, you, you must have a lot of more reasonable people in your life than I do. Or maybe, <laughs> I don't know, I tend to, I, I have a really big family and everyone's walked into a little bit more um, yeah, you, function you that could be. And I come from a, an atmosphere of it. So it seems like sometimes I can give something three days, but we're going to pick right back up because you're yeah. in the middle of you know, maybe active use or maybe bullying or, you know, sometimes people just wickedly go about things. They might be good people. Sometimes they're not, but sometimes people just go about things so dysfunctionally that there is no way to say, you're going to hear me out and how I feel because yes. we're locked horns and it's either going to get ugly or it's going to separate. Right, right. And, and um, I've had that situation as well. And <laughs> I agree with you. I think, um, I think your family is probably uh, more involved in, almost in your everyday life compared to mine. I have the luxury, I think, of being able to separate. Um, I do now a lot more than I did 10 years ago. It's been a 10-year yeah. working process. But yeah, certain things put you back in the path of dysfunctional people just right. by virtue of relationships. So yeah, that's true. Right. <laughs> But I mean, ideally, like I have a, you know, my, w with my best friend, I can typically say, hey, did I take this wrong? Because you really said something that came across this way. And we, we can go talk in those terms. Right. But I, you know, I have some extended family members or people by virtue of acquaintance that I can't say that to without them saying, oh, you're just sensitive. Yeah, you know, right, or, right. Or right. I don't, I don't, I'm not doing this. I don't have time for this. And then nothing gets, all right, okay, I must just be a terrible person. And that shuts it down forever. Right. I'm not saying you're a terrible person. I'm trying to be heard on one issue, but right. But you can just open up. right, right. And that's that's one of those things where you almost have to file it away in the file box. And bear in mind that that's what you're going to get every time you run into that particular person. And it's almost it's almost kind of futile to keep bringing it up. Well, I loved when you said I, that's just more information for me to have about how far I can go with somebody. Right. Right, yeah, it is. More protection for yourself. It is. Right. Yeah, I like that. Once you realize that it's not selfish to protect yourself, it's healthy, and that you don't have to argue your way through, even if they're being so unreasonable. I used to think, well, I have to come up with hieroglyphics on a chalkboard and CSI right. evidence because this stuff is so clearly, transparently obvious, right and wrong. But it right. doesn't matter. But the thing is, is that it's not about that, right? It's no. not... It's not about right and wrong. It's it's not. A, it's, not. it's about you know what? I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put put it down and and you go live you go figure yours out and I'm gonna figure mine out. Right. You know. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's really important when when we get angry to go ahead and acknowledge our feelings, right? Because anger is normal. It's normal to have those feelings. We're supposed to have bad feelings. Bad feelings uh, are, we're not supposed to feel good all the time. So go ahead and acknowledge the feelings and respond appropriately. And when you don't respond appropriately, you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to forgive yourself and to also um, make amends. And do the next right thing. Before we go on, successful intervention strategies to help a loved one deal with his or her substance use are often counterintuitive. Our sponsor, alliesinrecovery.net, offers suggestions that have been proven effective in getting loved ones into treatment and helping them stay there while reducing the stress, blame, and guilt we so often feel. 
I encourage listeners to join alliesinrecovery.net today. Now back to the show. One thing that I've always found is that you're never going to do get it right with a wrathful person. So you can't play according to their rules, if that makes any sense. I mean, and, and I won't even go into it, but I told you I'd had a editing position that lasted four weeks and I honored the commitment to the day for a, um, two brothers and a sister at small office who screamed and cussed at each other and then at me and then to me about each other. And it was, it was a wrathful situation every day. So I was in the presence of violent conversations, constant cussing, threatening people on the phone that they were doing business with because that's just how they operate. It was like a movie and just being constantly triggered. Um, it was only a four week experience, but I kind of like to look at life like a constant healing and learning process. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me, this is kind of a pattern of ending up around people like this. And if I let fear call the shots, there's no way to navigate wrath, this wrath and these types of conversations and screaming because there's going to be the next thing's going to set them off. So okay. even if I get something right, they just screamed about they're, they're going to scream about somebody else that did something wrong. It's just the presence of wrath. And I felt like that was kind of a baptism by fire for me. And then I think when another, and I don't know if you dealt with this with your son or I've dealt with it with certain family members. When somebody is explosive, there's a aftermath period where there's awkward apologies and maybe gift giving. And that was an experience where it was kind of a picture of the cycle of wrath because they would come in and drop gifts on my desk or give me a bonus because I'd watched them argue or heard them say real inappropriate things or they'd been intimidating toward me. And it just reminded me that when you're in a relationship with somebody like that and they operate at a level of threat and violent personality, it cycles back around to apologies and they're remorseful, but um, that typically doesn't last. Have you ever heard of the Mozart effect? No, I have not. What's there that? is um, a song, I can't remember which one, if you can Google it, I'd heard, read about it a while ago. It's just basically a term about how there's a certain Mo- a piece by Mozart that's really complicated and it actually expands your brain when you listen to it and makes you more intelligent. But your brain has plasticity to it, so it returns to its normal ways after a few days if you don't keep applying that type of music to it. Okay. And that's kind of what a wrathful or abusive person cycles through that they might take steps, but with a therapist had told me once without pain and loss and accountability, without consequences, a wrathful person does not permanently change. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And people might act out of wrath because of SUD or withdrawal. Right. People in my family certainly had that type of behavior that was not their norm. Right. If you're in a cyclical relationship with somebody, whether it's at work or at home or whatever, that is probably not going to change without consequences. Right, right. Definitely agreed on that. Another thing I wanted to bring up um, was uh, allies in recovery. Uh, oh, it's so good about that. Yeah, it is. It, it, um, it talks about one, how to work through your own um, feelings of anger, uh, and it also, um, you can go on there and um, there's, there's um, I think it's the very first module where it's about keeping yourself safe. Right. Right. And um, I would recommend that people go there and listen to one, that very first module about keeping yourself safe. And then also um, module four, which is titled, How Do I Talk to My Loved One? And that really addresses all of this. If, you, if you're finding yourself losing yourself in your anger, 
Yeah. Um, this really, uh, module four really helps you to identify one, to identify your feelings, but then also to identify how your feelings are coming out, how you, you know, uh, what kind of negative talk are you using um, and how to counter that, how to, how to take that out of there, how to kind of calm yourself down, I guess. Right. I don't typically act out in anger and wrath. I mean, it's, that's rare, but I will receive it and I will operate in fear right. and try to placate the situation that's not meant for me to placate. It's not right. my place to fix it, calm it, navigate it. It's not, it has nothing to do with what I can do about it. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I guess what I'm talking about is I, I hear this a lot um, with a lot of different families that I talk to. A lot of moms and dads, a lot of families will say some things uh, with the motivation of trying to get their kid uh, to maybe go into treatment or to get some help or to become sober. You know, people will say things, um, uh, really negative, negative things like, oh, you're, you know, this is such a loser thing to do. And, yeah. uh, and this is all, I know the motivation is good, right? The motivation is probably out of love, maybe not always, but, but probably out of love, probably out of fear, you know, probably out of resentment and probably trying to motivate the person to go and do something. Um, but as we said before, acting out of that wrath and that anger actually doesn't, it doesn't do what it's intended to do. It just isolates a lot of the time. And so, um, so when I talk about that, I, I am talking in reference to what I've heard, a lot of what I've heard, and the fact that there are resources. If you head out to Allies in Recovery and you get on there and you take a look at some of these modules, it really helps people with anger and wrath and um, communicating with your loved one. And it, Yeah, it's new suggestions. Um, one thing that I had to learn that was important when it comes to things like the modules and going on there, finding a resource is that I wasn't going to work my anger out necessarily with the person I was angry with, if that makes sense. Sometimes yep. I'm very angry with my son or my mom when, when we were in the midst of that. And that's, that's been a few years since we've dealt with all of that, but I would hold on to that anger. It would come back up and I would think I had to talk it through with them and maybe right. you know, they're not wanting to hear it or they're wanting to get past it or we're at different places. And I don't need to say, I still get really angry when I think about this. I needed to go work that out with a therapist or in a journal or watching a right. module. You don't always need to work out who you're angry with, with the person that caused it. Right, right. Because the, because the problem isn't them. The problem, no. is, right. And, and working it out it, with yourself and trying to figure it out for yourself really is taking on the responsibility of, oh gosh, this is my problem and I have to find a solution to it. Right. Right. I can't call my son, you know, when I'm frustrated because he lives so far or that life took a different term when he was supposed to be going into college and something triggered me to anger and call him and say, I'm really angry right now. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that is just bringing up old vomit that has nothing to do with him anymore. Right. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. There's healthier ways to handle it. Um, sure. I don't know. Like I loved, um, I really thought a lot about that technique that you told me about, about diffusing anger and wrath. And I, I mean, I've just really kind of dwelled on it lately because it actually worked in the midst of you showing me. And I can't remember which podcast that was we were talking about. Which one, which one did I, did I do the, when you were saying repeat back what somebody's saying. Yeah. Reflective like, listening. Yes. 
Okay, that, I try to have coping skills when it comes to dealing with wrath because it's so gnarly. Uh, reflective, I'm sorry, reflective listening is actually in module four. Okay, yes. Yeah. So that's a really good way to go about it because I, I just, another addictionologist on a podcast I listened to recently was saying how a big issue with the disease of addiction is that anything good about you or good within your relationship with the person in active use gets devoured. So if you right. feel responsible to clean up their messes, that's going to get devoured. If you believe lies easily, you're going to get devoured that way. If they operate in wrath and it scares you into deciding whatever they want, yep. that's going to get devoured. So there, I mean, you all, you have to get healthy in every way the disease is coming after because that disease, it wants to live. So it takes advantage of any weakness or good it can get out of a relationship. I never, I wish that would have been explained to me before because we would cycle back through different ways it would come in like a tornado in our relationship right right so if you're letting kind of wrath you know like you don't want to deal with somebody's tantrum so you'll just go ahead and give them the 20 bucks this time or let them take your car right. this time that's never the right decision but when you're in that moment and you're afraid and you just want peace you know you have to learn ways first of all you have to realize that's what the disease is doing that's the disease coming after you because right. it wants to live and that's how it survives it's like a predator and then there are ways to learn how to get strong to prepare for it so you don't deal with it as much or right. to diffuse it in that moment and one of them is that reflective listening right right the reflective listening and also um <clears throat> also talking about your feelings like if you're if you're able to um if you're, if you're getting in, into it with somebody, you know, you're getting dragged into and you're, you're getting that, that heightened sense and you're starting to get frustrated, you're starting to get angry, but talking about how you feel, I feel da-da-da-da-da-da-da when this happens, right? Sometimes I would say, let me think about it and I would delay my answer yeah. my position in the conversation and yep. that didn't work either, but I, I would think that's getting me out of it right now and then it would just come back more ferocious. Yeah, no, but, but I also think that that's okay. That's, and I bet you if you practice that a couple of times, that it might come back ferocious in the beginning, but that it doesn't, that, that the more you do it, the less ferocious it becomes. It did, but if I held to my answer, if I, if, if somebody knew they had to go that much longer in a tantrum and just to wear me out, they would go the distance with me. So, so delaying it, but still having a healthy answer for what was best. You know what I'm saying? Does that yep. make sense? Yep. Um, but I, I but I wonder. I wonder if you if you hold out and hold out and hold out. Eventually, they get the idea that no matter what, you're you're gonna hold out. And they'll move on. And they'll move on. So let me ask you. I don't know how familiar you are with the reflective listening or how experienced, but let's role play it for a minute. So okay. let's say I'm your 21 year old daughter. Okay. And I want to take your car, and you know how the cycle goes right? Okay. Can I have your car keys? I want to go down and pick my friend Amy up. We're just going to go to Starbucks. Okay. So, um, uh, okay. So let's, let's, yeah, we'll do some role playing. Okay. okay so I'm the mom and I'm going to say to you right now, uh, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not giving you my car keys. You're not taking the car tonight. And that's because maybe there's been untrustworthy behavior in the past. So then the daughter comes back with, but why it's just down the street. I know it's just down the street. I hear that you want to go and pick your friend up. Um, uh, I hear exactly what you're saying, but right now I feel um, that I might worry if I give you the car keys. 
but you always say that. You're always worried. I want to live my life. If you and dad weren't so strict, we wouldn't have these problems anyway. You're the worst mother ever. Okay, so I hear what you're saying. What you're saying to me is that you feel that your, your father and I are not very good parents because we won't give you the keys to the car because all you want to do right now is head down to your friend's house. Am I correct? Yes, and you know what that actually does is it makes you realize what you sound like. Right, but it also, <laughs> and it, and it but, but it also by asking you at the end of it, did I get this right? Yeah. Now what that does is the person has to stop and think, yeah. Well, did she, did, she re, did she really hear what I'm saying? And then if they say yes, they can't, there's no, um, you don't get it because apparently I do. <laughs> right. right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I, that is so powerful that if you really looked into it, I wish I would have had that 10 and 20 years ago in handling situations in, right. my, in every arena of life. Right. Because I, I tended to surround myself with the same exact types of people and I was constantly getting bullied and then I'd get fed up and I'd explode. And usually I'd right. explode in the wrong moment or on the wrong person because I was constantly living in a situation of being bullied at work, right. at home, whatever. And I wish I would have had these tools in place. It would have saved me a lot of time and money. Right, right. <laughs> it would have. Um, you know, my brother I, Me too. I, to be honest with you, me too. I mean, I had to... I had to practice, I had to learn, and I had to go through this, um, this awful time of, yeah. of learning how to use it and learning that he was gonna be, um, it was gonna heighten in the beginning that, that need for him to draw me in. And I had to be incredibly strong yeah. to continue with the reflective listening, to continue with my answer is no, you know, to, to continue to talk in terms of, I feel this way, right? Um, it was really hard. It got, I got better at it though. And also that, that, um, that understanding that I wasn't gonna get pulled into it. Right. It happened. No matter what, you're not right. going to get into it. Right? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it really, I'll tell you right now, I made it a game. I, it was a game for me. Like I, It was a game of wills in, in my mind. So when, when it was happening, when I, was, when I could feel that, oh, oh, here it comes, here it comes, it was like, okay, the disease wins or you win. Yeah. The disease wins that's, or that's you win. That's a strong mind to remember that in the moment. I, and I had to. I kept saying, okay, okay, I, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I will win. Right. Um, and it, it was hard. It's not easy. No, it's not. Because no. you're... you're every emotion and you're on your heels and you know, urgency and everything. There's a lot of dynamics, but those tactics work. Those techniques absolutely work. Right. They right. absolutely do. And um, the more you practice them, the better at it you become. They, you do. I wanted to just flip that same idea over and that when somebody is wrathful, it does no good if you make excuses or apologize for them or clean up their messes. Yeah. So I, you know, I kind of have a mom that does that and she will always defend the person who wounds people. And yeah. I think that's, you know, the best of intentions to make peace, to keep peace out of fear or whatever. But one person can just slaughter somebody else with their words or take right. advantage and she will give you the reasons. And my brother the other day, we, I mean, it's just a cycle that's been lifelong. My brother the other day said, the reason you get so infuriated with mom when she does that is because when you play devil's advocate, and you defend the person in the wrong, you take on their role. 
So we're now looking at you with the same frustration we have because now it's a double battle because we're you're defending the person that's totally in the wrong and right. hurt us. I'll tell you right now that happens oh. in my family all the time. That's exact. That is that it, invalidating is so yeah. poisonous and toxic for a family. It is it is unhealthy dysfunction at the height of dysfunction. Right, and that's and that is what I find so incredibly uh, frustrating. Because what ends up happening is the person who's actually perpetrating and doing something wrong never gets the consequences. No, never. Right. Never, never, never. And it drives me crazy. That drives me nuts. And it's because somebody's wanting to deny or keep the peace or whatever. That's keep totally like a codependent, whatever you're, you're dysfunctional for doing that, but you're, it's just causing infection to spread like a rash. Right, right. It's terrible. And it's it's like, like, yeah, because then the person is going to do it to somebody else. Yeah, and that's always in the presence of wrath, and that's how wrath survives. It's just like a disease that survives. Right. And when I worked for those two brothers, they played good cop, bad cop, and the one would explode, and then the other one would come in from behind and say, well, he's this age. Well, he, right. he went through this or he went through that. And sometimes you have to get to a point where you say, I don't care. care what you've been through. Yeah. I don't care what Stop your it. are. I don't care about deadlines or stress. I don't care if you have a gun to right. my head. You're in the wrong, and you're behaving awful. Right. And if you need help, go get it. Yeah. So when you play devil's advocate to that, you help no one. You don't help the person that the wound is inflicted on. You don't help the person who's inflicting it. Right. So yeah, that, that dynamic right there has caused fury within my family as well. Right. So don't clean up those stinking messes. There are like a lot of techniques and coping skills. And I love the reflective, um, what is that? Listening. Reflective? Listening, yes. And then verbal judo, that's a book I, that police officers are taught from and that teaches you judo is a style of fighting that's soft and it's where you use the person's strength against them to kind of subdue them and submit their anger and that's um that's a really good thing i studied also five tips from psychology today and i think you covered most of them when you are in the presence of wrath you first ask is this justified you know and that doesn't mean violence or in vitriol or anything like that is justified but it is the situation do i have a part in it Am I causing some of this? Right, right. What, what, what am I doing to make this worse or to create it over and over? And that doesn't mean blame yourself or think you deserve abuse. And then stay calm, at least outwardly. Like you said, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. You have to, even if you are burning alive on the inside, you have to stay calm. Right, right. And, and then number, I'm sorry, I only have a couple That's more okay. that you can have the rest of it. Avoid character assaults and vitriol. Even if they're coming at you, get away from it. Don't give it back. You're the worst person. Well, you're this or that. Don't give it back because what good does that do? Even if you're it better at the insults, right. I'm not bad at insults, but it really but, gets nowhere even if I win. But it's wrong. It's wrong that they're doing it. So why are you going to do it back? That just makes you wrong too. Right. Um, know when to disengage. You know where it's going in the cycle with a person you're familiar with or with a stranger. When you can see something heating up, say, I am a, I'm sorry for my part in this and walk away. Right. That doesn't mean you're telling them you're right. You could just be sorry you exist in the situation. Right. And then stay safe. Not every angry person becomes violent, but violence can escalate so quickly in a moment. So if a person is aggressive, keep a safe distance. And obviously when necessary, involve others, the police or a friend or whatever. So I don't have tips other than that. Well, I, I just would like to add one, one quick comment. Um, that actually, uh, if you go to module four um, and watch um, some videos on that as well, it says almost the same thing in, um, in one of the videos that you should, 
own up to your part. What's your part in it? And it, it's, it says that exactly, and it shows you how to do it, right? It shows you how to practice owning up to your part, which is exactly what you were talking about. So why do you think that sometimes we have a struggle with owning up to our part? Because maybe we think if we do, it gives that person the right to continue being heated or to continue the behavior, or are we afraid or are we I, I think I think that we, um, I think that we don't recognize it. I think that in order to, to see that a lot of the time, we have to stop and think about it. And you're, you're like in the middle of it all. It's all chaotic. You, it's almost like you can't identify what your part in it is, right? So taking the time and stopping, it's like you have to, if you're going to own up to what you're doing, you have to stop and think about, oh, what am I doing? What's my part in this? Or what if you yeah. think that I might be kind of wrong, but you're really wrong? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sometimes that played into even have you know going through SUD with family members. I'm I didn't I couldn't recognize where I was wrong because they were crazy wrong. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But I also think I also think that when you do that, when you own when uh, when you're in it with somebody and you're in the middle of uh, this chaotic. Um, you know, anger laden problem or issue conflict. Um, when you stop and you uh, think about it and you figure out what your part in that particular situation is and you say it and you apologize in that moment, it diffuses the situation. They stop. It's almost like, oh, oh, you're apologizing to me. You're, you're kind of making amends. And it's almost like a cue I've actually seen it happen where it's actually, uh, it can be a cue to the other person um, to think about, oh, okay, well, what's my role in it? So what if, because I hear, I agree with that and I hear what you're saying, but what if somebody's just behaving so abusively that do you just maybe apologize and say, I'm sorry that I make you feel this way? Like the, the men I worked with in the office or like your friend who was out of line, where's your part to apologize for in those moments when they are, clearly allergic to what's true and um i think I, I think you state how you feel right maybe you don't have to always um look for your own part in it but i think you do you state how you feel calmly right this is yeah. what i'm feeling and this is why i'm feeling it right and, and just that's it that's and it and walk they away I don't know what your outward, what your final response was. I know I turned in a resignation letter and it was basically because of this atmosphere, I don't feel safe and comfortable. So right. do you say maybe because of your behavior, because of your position, because of our conflicted, you know, point of conversation, I'm just going to pull myself out of this. I think, yeah, I think saying that is it, just saying it straight out. I, just like what you said, I don't feel safe in this environment and this is why i'm leaving right and then I somebody think, comes back and explains and justifies it which you know that was yeah. like that's a final decision for me when somebody came back to me and said look this person's prone to explode you know that's been my mom's right. devil's advocate and that was the other brother and wh whoever makes excuses when you know somebody's going to come back and clean up the mess you know it's going to continue and i can't be in a situation where i'm continuously unsafe and it could even possibly happen again right and really um, in that particular case, I would say you really, the only role you have in that is going back and, and allowing them to do that to you.
Yeah. You're taking, right? And you're taking care of that by saying, this is why, I, you know, I'm leaving and this is why I'm leaving and that's it. Like and I'm going to keep friend, myself safe. Said, not this time. Right. I'm going to go about it calmly, but not, but right. this time I have to take a stand for myself. Right. Yeah. I think it's as needed and it's obviously different and it varies, but. From case to case and situation right. to situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a real that's tough why one. Allies and recoveries exist because it can pertain to every single situation. There's been things I've pulled up on there and just read through the comments and I'm like, I don't have active addiction anywhere in my life anymore, but I certainly deal with people. You know, right. people, even the healthiest of people, you can have dysfunctional moments. And this letter I just read today absolutely pertains. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading them too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, this was a good subject. I'm looking forward it to it. It was. It was. Um, so I guess um, we'll be back next week on Coming Up for Air. Yep, keep on coming back. Until okay. next time. Thank you for listening to this Coming Up for Air podcast with Annie Highwater and Lori McDougall. If you're interested in reading Annie's book, Unhooked, A Mother's Story of Unhitching from the Roller Coaster of Her Son's Addiction, it's available online, or you can simply follow the link at the bottom of one of Annie's blog posts on alliesinrecovery.net. Coming Up for Air is sponsored by Allies in Recovery, the online home for families facing the addiction of a loved one. Allies in Recovery can help you understand your loved one's struggle and offers effective communication strategies that encourage treatment and discourage use. In addition to interactive e-learning, Allies in Recovery offers expert advice, podcasts, tools for evaluating treatment options, recent news items, and access to a large community of families coping with issues similar to yours. Join alliesinrecovery.net today. That's alliesinrecovery, all one word, Net. Thank you for listening. Our theme music was performed and composed by cellist Eric Corey.